Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Jessica Chinyelu, who's the creator of the Sponsored and Secured program. And she helps people figure out, hey, how do I get corporations and organizations to not only notice what I'm doing, but to want to support what I'm doing, to want to partner with me and want to promote the amazing parts of my business. We're going to be talking about this today and how you can get more sponsorships for your business. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Wherever you are in your business, you may have asked yourself, hey, how, how do I get different companies, how do I get corporations to notice me and not only notice me, but to really like what I'm doing? And I'm not even talking about like sales. I'm not even talking about finding new customers. I'm talking about companies who they like what you're doing and they even want to throw some money at you. They want to sponsor you. Maybe they want to sponsor, maybe you're, you're, you're part of a nonprofit and you're opening up a new building and you're looking for someone to sponsor that building or sponsor a room or a conference room or something, but you're looking for these companies who are saying, yes, I love what you're doing and I want to promote you and I want to partner with you. Well, today we have the perfect guest who's going to be sharing about this today. We're sitting down with Jessica Chinyelu, who she's the owner of... Well, first of all, let me, I don't, I don't want to get too far into this. First of all, what you need to do before you do anything else, you need to go to the sponsorshiplady.com slash training. She's going to be running a course that you can check out. It, it's called Sponsored and Secured, which we all know security is pretty important in our businesses. And she's teaching us how to land five-figure corporate sponsorships for our businesses. She's here with us today. We're excited to talk more with us. With, with us excuse me, Jessica, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining. Yes, thank you so much, Blake, for having me. And wow, what an introduction there. Thank you for that <laughs> wonderful introduction. I'm so excited to chat with you and all of your listeners today. Well, and I, I just can't tell you how excited I am to have you here because it almost feels like corporate sponsorships is this pot of money that's sitting on a table that they want to give it out. They want to find the right people to give it towards, the right causes to give towards. And for many people, it's like, it, it's interesting. I don't know if it's mindset. I don't know really what it is, but it's amazing how often I hear business owners, uh, nonprofit founders say the, say the words that I'm sure you hate to hear, which is, uh, no one wants to give me any money or there's not enough money or I can't find any more money. Um, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. I gave you your, your, my version of your intro. Who are you? And uh, let's hear a little bit more about yourself. Yes, thank you so much. Man, I cannot wait for us to dive into this discussion, but I am Jessica Chinyelu, also known as the Sponsorship Lady, and I teach people how to land the partnerships of their dreams. So if you are the nonprofit founder, an influencer, an online creator, or just a business owner that is hosting events or programs, 
I'm your go-to person to help you get that funding, money that you don't have to pay back. So I've been in this industry for about 10 plus years. I live in Dallas, Texas. How I got into this was just hosting my own conferences. Um, I have a nonprofit organization called the Woman of Purpose Network. And through hosting those conferences and getting them 100% sponsored, people started to reach out to me and say, how in the world did you do this? And that is how I got into the world of corporate sponsorships. That's pretty incredible. And I, um, I absolutely want to hear more about your nonprofit as well. Um, talk to me a little bit about, cause this is, this is, it's funny talking to you today. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is such an important piece of the puzzle when we talk about, especially if we, if we're running a nonprofit, which, you know, the biggest question about the nonprofit is, okay, how do we, how do we make this thing sustainable beyond like the pure emotions of, um, this is really important. I want to help. I want to give back. I have a cause that I really feel um, impassioned about. Why does it feel like people are unfamiliar with really how to um, partner with organizations and get their program sponsored? I think people are, especially in the nonprofit world, I will tell you the majority of my students are nonprofit founders um, and nonprofit founders that have been in business and for about seven, 10 years, and they have not seen success with corporate funding. And the reason why they have not seen that success is simply because they don't know who to contact. They haven't really kept up or don't have a process uh, for partnership outreach. So they may have a team of volunteers, but they never looked at it as a priority. They also don't have the tools and resources. Um, you have to really think about training and development for a partnerships team for a nonprofit. Um, if you're new and you're just getting started, that should be top priority because you could get seriously like annual funding from some of these corporations. The best thing that you can do for yourself as a nonprofit founder is one, keep up with the data. What has your organization done since inception? You will be, you will not believe the number of nonprofit founders that I communicate with and that I teach who don't have any of these things. They don't really fully understand how they truly make impact. Be able to show those sponsors how do how does my organization make impact and how can we be a solution to the community together? Mm, I love that answer. And I, I think you're so right. You know, a lot of times, and this is not unlike entrepreneurship, but many startup found uh, startup founders, excuse me. Uh, I'm about to rag on startup founders. Uh, many nonprofit founders do find themselves, and it's not always just nonprofit founders. A lot of times it's the new executive director who, you know, in many cases really loves the organization and has found themselves now in the leadership role. Um, there isn't always the robust, uh, processes like data collection or even being able to talk about impact, I think it can be really, really challenging for many of us. What about the nonprofit person who, you know, they're hearing you and they're thinking, yeah, I really do want to get in the room with the right people, but I don't even know where to start. You know, maybe especially, uh, you know, I have a, a friend of mine who runs Ronald McDonald House. Well, for her, it's, it's, I mean, it's Ronald McDonald House. It's it's a lot easier. It's like, yeah, of course I'll meet with you. But I think about maybe the local nonprofit founder who doesn't have the brand, so to speak. How does that person build those connections and get in the room with the right people? Fabulous question. 
when you are more of a local nonprofit founder, it's really important to research the brands or the corporations that are truly aligned with your mission. So you don't want to just reach out to a Toyota or a Target. I get those companies all the time or a Coca-Cola because you know that they have the dollars. Yes, the dollars matter, but you want to make sure that the alignment is there. Because if you reach out to a brand that doesn't support anything like what you're doing or your type of cause, you're really wasting your time. So the research is important. I usually always recommend that you have a prospect list of about 50 to 100 strategic brands that align with your mission. After you create that list, you want to go in and start finding at least three to five contacts within that brand, within the brand, so that way you have multiple people that you can touch. Once you have found those contacts that you can easily find on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is probably the most slept on social media platform. And I tell people all the time, like LinkedIn is really the platform for the people who cut the checks. And those are the in the decision makers. You want to really make the most time um, and make the most out of your time on LinkedIn. Um, but you can find contacts there. So if it's simply going to the company page and going, clicking on people, there's a tab on LinkedIn where it says people. And then you just search partnerships. That's one of the filters. Sponsorships. Um, corporate sponsorships, uh, director of marketing, um, diversity and inclusion, social impact. And it's going to literally give you every single person. And you can even go even further in your research. You can even go as far as um, setting up notifications anytime they make a post or they like a post. And now you're be you're able to keep up with what this company is doing, what the decision makers are reading, what they're tapping into then you're now ready to start sending an, a message in the inbox. You can make a point of connection. Hey, I saw that you recently checked out this article. This is something that I love. By the way, what is it like to work with a brand like yours? What's your sponsorship process? Would you mind if we chatted for about 5, 15, 10 minutes to see if there's some alignment or synergy here? The key thing is, the research. This is an industry that's all about relationship building. And so you never want to go for that big ask right in the very beginning. Alignment and research, then build the relationship. That's how you get started. So if I'm hearing you correctly, um, the oh so obnoxious DM to straight to the pitch is probably not the right answer for our, our founders out there. Please don't do that. That is the quickest way to get ignored and have them on the like, uh, uh this is the person that we're not going to work with list. So please, um, so someone said, if you're sending DMs to corporations and brands, that's a lazy approach. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to say it's a lazy approach, but there are so many resources out there for you to go and find an email or find the con specific contacts um, that you need to reach in order to land your first sponsorship. Um, I'll share a couple of free resources. Um, there's hunter.io. Um, all you have to do, go on LinkedIn, find the name of the person. Um, hunter.io gives you a certain number of free searches per, per month. And you put the first and last name of the person and there it'll give you an email address if the company is listed in their database. That is F-R-E-E -E free. There's also Rocket Reach. Rocket Reach sometimes will give you accurate emails. It's not all, always accurate. I prefer hunter.io, but 
there's no reason why you should start off with a DM or even a LinkedIn message when you can actually get an email. Wow. And it, well, I mean, and I love what you said that the whole DM approach is frankly a bit lazy and the resources are available. Uh, if nothing else, we, you know, we're so good as a society at internet sleuthing. We just need to use it for our, our brands, right? Absolutely. I think um, a lot of founders, whether you're a nonprofit or for-profit, we're leaving so much money on the table. And um, there's a lot of money that's available out there for us, especially during these times. I mean, loads of money. Um, And you just have to be strategic in how you go out there and get those dollars. How often do you, just on that topic, how often do you have students or uh, founders who are you have to sort of retrain their mentality about money, um, their worthiness of money, um, you know, being, being worth investing in or companies giving money towards. Cause I've even heard, uh, even in our own area. So, you know, we're in Northwest Arkansas, which is where Walmart HQ is. We have Walmart HQ. We have Tyson HQ. We have JB hunt HQ. Um, it's a pretty, robust area in terms of finances. And it's, so it's always amazing to me when people say, I've actually heard startup founders say, yeah, there's just no money here. There's, there's just not any, nobody's investing here. And I've even heard another, uh, I keep saying startup founder. I don't know why I keep saying that. Nonprofit founder. Uh, and then an, I even heard another nonprofit founder who's doing really well, who um, kind of remarked, he was like, I just don't know why people keep saying that. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of money for all of us. Um, plenty of money for us to share, so to speak. And so why do people think that way? How often do you have yourself chatting through that kind of mindset with your students? All the time, all the time. And it's one of the reasons why I actually bring decision makers into my course. So um, we've had Google, we've had Ernst & Young, we've had Toyota. And we. some of the um, decision makers have shared that sometimes we won't even look at you because you're we're receiving pitch decks or proposals that are too low in value. So it's not worth our time. And I challenge many of my students to think about the impact. So I always say the dollars have to make sense. Make the dollars make sense. So if you're a nonprofit organization and let's say um, you're a food pantry, you should be able to go to a brand, a corporation like Walmart and say, if through our, our uh, program, through our pantry program, or through the boxes that we give to people on a monthly basis, um, $25 or $200 can feed this many people. Our goal is to feed 5,000. This means we need this number of dollars from you to feed X number of people. Clearly be able to map that out for your sponsors. That's to feed 5,000 people, and each one of your boxes is $100 or $250, you do the math, that's quite a bit of money. But if you can clearly show that to a brand, trust me, they'd be willing to sponsor you. We had someone from McAfee come in and speak, and she said, we don't even support initiatives like food pantries. And there's a woman in Dallas, um, she did so well in communicating the impact being made in her organization that McAfee said, yes, we're going to get $50,000 and we're willing to sponsor this event. And they don't support, this is not something that they do. (laughs) So again, you have to make the dollars 
make sense. Um, be a, the impact, being able to show that what your goals are, what you've done since inception. I, I will, I can't stress it enough. It's so important, but also really understand, you know, what, what's the value of your property? When I say property, what is, what is the value of the deck and the proposal that you're presenting? What type of assets do you have in this proposal? What is the reach if you've got great assets, if you've got great activations, if you've got incredible reach, that is extremely valuable. And you need to ensure you're not just sending a proposal that's gold, taking the gold, silver, bronze approach of $1,000 here, $5,000 here, and then $7,500 or $10,000. No, mm -mm. we got to be more strategic about what it actually cost you to make this event happen. And also the reach. What is the value of the reach? So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're talking a lot about using data correctly um, and, and being confident about getting those kinds of investments from companies. What I haven't heard you say from a strategy sense is what's the, um, and I can't think of the the woman who sings the song, but you know that commercial with like the puppies who are like in the, um, they're in the, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, they're in the pound basically. Oh. And it's, it's the, the McLaughlin, Sarah McLaughlin song, where it's like, have you heard this song? Okay. Oh, can you it, no, I, I'm definitely not going to sing it for you. <laughs> this is like, this is, I mean, I feel like everyone has seen this commercial, but so now I, I feel bad that you haven't seen it. You have to Google, you need to YouTube this after we're done. But so here's, here's what it is. Basically, she had this song in the nineties and it was called, I think it was called in the arms of um, an angel. And so it's this really slow, sad song. Um, and it's singing in the background while the camera's panning over like these dogs that are in, in the pound and they're all looking really sad. And it's basically like, it's like adopt a puppy today, you know? <laughs> and so like everyone, oh, I have seen that commercial. I know exactly what. Yes. Yes. Okay. So everyone knows this. Cause you're just like, I mean, it's like, okay, fine. Yes. I'll go adopt 10 of them. Cause this is so moving. Here's what I feel like happens in the nonprofit world is we are really passionate about what we have, the cause that we're getting behind. And I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but it does feel like many times founders, these, these executive directors are, um, or even development directors are going for the emotional, um, I don't say feel good approach, so to speak, but what I'm hearing you say, I haven't heard you mention that yet. I've heard you talk about, Hey, it does need to be strategic. It needs to be data-driven. You need to be able to talk about reach, you know, what's going to be the impact of these donor dollars. Um, is there room for the emotional side Are people spending too much time on that? Or is it really, yep. You need to go sort of cut and dry into the whole strategy piece of it. Oh, that's so good. All right. Um, I do have a, portion of my course where we talk about the groundbreaking story. Um, I like to save the groundbreaking stories for when you get on that initial discovery call. Um, and there, there's a time for that. But when it comes to your proposal and every decision maker that it's going to touch on the team, you have to think about the strategy and the data, the reach, because the person that you're on the phone with, that is your opportunity to sell your story and share it well and make sure that they connect with you and you also connect with them. So as you're doing your research about the individual that you may be meeting with or who's going to be on that Zoom call when you share your screen, you should be able to say something that really makes their heart sing. 
and, and really just makes them go, ah, we have to work with this person, but it's going to be up to you to find out that information. And it's also going to be up to you to really find out if this proposal that you're sending out or this cause that you have, if it's really going to truly impact the individual's life to where they can go in and fight for you and advocate for this deal to happen. Um, But I think that comes with your calls. Um, It can be inside of your proposal. Um, Something strategic that you can do is share like a three to five minute uh, video pitch about your story. Um, I actually had a student do this. She partnered with Deloitte. Um, And it was really great because she had one slide, um, the the intro slide, and then it goes into her video and she shared like, here's the impact that's being made when we partner with companies to give out these uh, care boxes. Um, And this is the employee engagement. And she was able to show that in a video. So instead of um, actually just saying it or having a bunch of slides that talks about this powerful story, she actually did it via video. Um, And so I recommend if you're really wanting to sell the story um, and really give something that that has the, you know, chills and the goosebumps that's going to make, um, again, that word impact, I would recommend video pitches Mm. that will work very well for your nonprofit. See, already you're you're making people squirm a little bit because we know, first of all, I agree with you. It's such great advice, but we know how many people feel um, uncomfortable getting their, their face in front of a camera and something else I want to ask you about is, is on this topic of, I mean, we're talking about, we're basically talking about innovating our, um, our sales a little bit. And it's, it is sales in the sense of it's, it's a different type of sales, but thinking about the really old um, ineffective habits in like the for-profit business world, you do have the people who they're just sending DMs. You know, they're just kind of hoping that people are, you know, I think I've even seen people say things like if I send 200 in a day, I know I'm going to get, you know, six people who say yes. And of those six, one is probably going to close, which just seems so exhausting. But that is sort of like the um, uh, non-strategic approach to it. Uh, And you've also, there's people who've said plenty of times, hey, for your sales process, get on video, let them see you, especially in today's COVID world where you can't necessarily go in and out of businesses. I'm hearing something very similar from you on how nonprofits can really uh, level up their, um, their fundraising, so to speak. How often do you feel like development directors have to really flex that sales mentality um, cause it feels like that's not how we think of it. A lot of times, a lot of times it's like, Oh, I'm a not for profit. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not a salesperson, I'm not a business person. Um, I've even heard a business once tell me, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we, we basically, I found a way for them to make something like 25,000 extra dollars. Uh, and the executive director was like, man, we don't, we just don't even feel comfortable with that. Like we just try to only make exactly whatever we're going to spend, which was interesting. Uh, and then they actually went out of business because there's no flexibility there. So I'm blabbing on this question. Please jump in and tell me what you're thinking. Let me tell you, um, what changed my perception about 
running a nonprofit is working for a very successful nonprofit. Um, I used to work for a nonprofit called Right Now Media. It is a multi. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah, I love Right Now Media. Yep. It is a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. And that just opened my mind. And it is one of the reasons why I paused from hosting conferences um, through my nonprofit because hosting a conference and just depending on a check or a few checks that come from sponsors um, for an annual conference, it isn't sustainable. A nonprofit should be profitable. And Right Now Media showed me that. Um, I became a senior director of sales and was uh, running the entire Western region for uh, schools, universities, um, for uh, that organization. And one of the things I, they had a process that all of the directors um, and senior directors followed. And it's a sales process, regardless if you are a faith-based nonprofit or a uh, non-faith-based for uh, nonprofit or for-profit entity, you have to have some type of sales process. It's all sales. Um, one of the things that we did, because I, I want to make sure I answer your question, we touched accounts. If a good salesperson, a really good salesperson is going to ensure that they touch a person with one person mm. in a company at least five times, anywhere from five to seven times. I know there's some people out there that are like, oh my God, but I'm just, that's totally like getting on someone's nerves. They are not there. There's no way like that's rude. I would get so upset if someone followed up with me that many times, but you'd be surprised at the number of people that are extremely busy. Yeah. They're horrible at managing their inbox. Yep. I have scheduled so many meetings. Yep. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many meetings. I'll give you an example. I had a brand, um, I've sent her three emails. Now I do mail, I mail track all of my emails so I can tell when people open them and when they don't open them. And I've noticed that for the past month, she hasn't opened any of my emails. So what do you think I did? I shot her a fourth email and I noticed that she had her cell phone number in her signature. And I said, you know what? Let me just give her a call on her cell, even though I've never done this before. Called her on her cell. She didn't answer. Left her a voicemail. And I also shot her a text because I realized that this is not some desk phone or office phone number. This is actually or, her cell. And, and, and you're not a spam caller. You're, I think the text lets them know you're not some random, you know, because nowadays you never know, right? But anyway, continue. Exactly. So I shot her a text, told her who I was, and what do you know? For a month, she hasn't responded to any of my emails. But she responded back to my text and she said, we are very much still interested in this partnership. I'm going to respond to your emails right now. And we're hopping on a call today. Follow up is everything. You mm. have to have a follow up sales strategy with these brands. If one person within the brand doesn't reach out to you, better believe there's another decision maker. Reach out to someone else within the company. This is the, this truly the art of sales. I learned that in Right Now Media. If one director couldn't get in contact with someone or have any success, we pass that account on to someone else. I don't see enough nonprofits or executive directors within nonprofits and even some for-profits when they're looking, if you're an influencer and you're pitching to brands for brand partnerships or influencer campaigns, I don't see enough people following this process. You have to touch an account at least five to seven times. Five to seven times, and that's just one person within the brand. You're so right. I mean, I, I'm, I, <laughs> we were laughing. I was thinking about my own inbox, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have so many emails. 
of just, cause you know, and, and this, this is a hard truth in business. I think for anybody is understanding that you are not, you're not in their top 10 of thoughts. You're probably not even in their top 20. And that's not, it's not like a punch to the gut. It's just, that's why you have to be the squeaky wheel sometimes and say, Hey, I'm still here. I'm still around. I'm still looking and listening to you. Absolutely. Something else you said though, that I think was really cool about right now media is, <clears throat> excuse me. It's amazing how many nonprofits who get this, how well they run like a business. And I say that for anyone who's listening, who's thinking about starting their not-for-profit, or maybe you're already working in your not-for-profit, and you've maybe uttered these criminal words, which is, well, we're not a business. And you'd be surprised how many nonprofits, they do have this robust sales process. They do have this robust way of reaching out, connecting, building relationships. And so I think the way I've heard it described, Jessica, is that being a not-for-profit is a filing status only Yes, it's not, it, it's not an excuse to, uh, well, we just don't do, you know, we don't do the tried and true methods in business, I guess. Um, so I really like that perspective. You nailed it, Blake. And, you know, just to add more to what you just said, you gave an incredible recap. The NFL is a nonprofit. The NBA is a nonprofit. Okay. Um, wow. I did not know that. Um, That's mind blowing. That is mind blowing. When I hired my first business coach, she said, and this is another person that helped with shifting my mindset um, in running a nonprofit. She mat she gave me a list of all of the successful multi-million and multi-billion dollar nonprofits. And I was like, okay, clearly I'm doing something wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, American Heart Association, they are a nonprofit. Susan G. Komen, nonprofit. The list goes on and on. And again, what we just mentioned, these are multi-million dollar nonprofits. If you are listening and you are a nonprofit founder, I tell you, start doing research on these nonprofits that are making loads of money and see how they're doing it. They're following a very strategic process for sure. Well, Jessica, this has been a really incredible episode. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to even just um, uh, digest all the different great pieces of, of advice that you gave. I want to ask one other thing. It's a kind of a different segue, but it's before we run out of time, you've mentioned influencers and, and I just want to know more about this. I'm just curious because think about this with influencers, you have like the real influencers who probably don't maybe call themselves influencers. And then you have like people like I'm an influencer and you're like, okay, yeah. Um, but you're saying that there's even, you're saying there's even an opportunity for influencers out there to take advantage of corporate sponsorships. Talk to me a little bit more about that. And also, if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about what is like the conversation on data look like, does it, what does it look like in terms of reach? Um, is it, you know, basically bragging about followers? I mean, what give us, I'm just, I'm just curious, give us a little bit more information on that. So here, let me give you a real life example. Um, I don't like to call myself an influencer, but I've worked on a lot of influencer campaigns just because of how I pitch them. So um, when the pandemic first started, uh, I wanted to share with my uh, students who were taking my course and those who were interested in corporate sponsorships how to sell a virtual experience. Uh, so I pitched uh, the influencer marketing department at Stella Rosa and I said, you know, what, what, what's something that moms really want right now? Moms are really being affected by this 
entire COVID experience because they're at home, they're dealing with digital learning or virtual learning. They, some of them may have full-time jobs. So if you've got five kids at home, you are worn out as a mom. So why not have an incredible wine, mommy wind down um, on Instagram live and invite other moms to be a part of it and just have real life conversations that are funny and heartfelt about what in the world we're all going through right now and how we can just make one another feel better. So I pitched this idea to Stella Rosa and how I pitched it to them is a couple of different things. And and I'll show you exactly how the proposal went. Um, Before I pitched them, I did research on their unique hashtags. Um, I went to see if they were even working with influencers, um, what were their actual brand hashtags. And on that first cover page, I just showed me and Stella Rosa coming together for a mommy wind down giveaway. We're going to give away money. We're going to make impact with these moms who are having a crazy time. And we're going to talk about self-care and just laugh. Um, the second page, I showed my stats. So I only use one page to show my following, my reach, um, just some data that Instagram gives you. If you look at your Instagram insights, Instagram gives you all that information. I just put all of that on the second page. The third page, I did something really unique. So I had my photographer take a picture of me in a model home carrying some Stella Rosa wine. And I actually posted before Stella Rosa paid me anything. I posted a picture on my Instagram feed and I just said, hey, guys, what you doing today? Me, I am winding down with Stella Rosa. Tagged them in it, used all of their hashtags. And I still, till this day, show up as like top in their <laughs> hashtags. So I took that. And people started posting like, oh, girl, I love Stella Rosa. I love Stella Rosa. Like, I'm going to go have that tonight. And people started tagging me in their Instagram stories like, I got Stella Rosa. And they were tagging the brand. Then the third page, um, I went in and I just showed them like, here's the timeline of what I'm thinking. Here's some influencers that I want to be a part of this campaign. So it gave me larger reach. And then at the bottom, I said, here are the deliverables. I would love for you to say yes. What do you guys say? Shot them an email. They loved it. They responded back like literally the same day. It took us about two months to actually um, for the campaign to go live, but it was a five figure contract. And I am not like your everyday influencer. So for someone who is, you know, you're a nonprofit founder or a for profit founder, you're an online creator. Maybe even someone like you, Blake, you know, you're a podcaster because there are lots of opportunities for podcasters to actually work with different brands or corporations, influencer marketing departments. Um, Anytime social media is involved, you usually can get in on those uh, influencer marketing dollars, which have gone up. (laughs) It's increased, like, especially over the last year. Um, So that would be one way that someone could pitch themselves. Um, for it's not really corporate sponsorship dollars. It's more so influencer marketing dollars. But as far as how you pitch and how you show the data, it's kind of similar. It's very similar. Again, research the brand. I saw something that they were not offering. And I said, you know what? How about we create something that would be a really unique campaign, not only for moms, but also for your brand. And we're making impact as we're doing it. We're giving something away and we're making moms feel good. They loved it and they want to do it again for Mother's Day this year. I want to know when the dad version is. Like when (laughs) when, when you get the dad version, I mean. That's true. We should get a dad version going. Are, are Are you willing to be the host? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd be any good at it, but I mean, I definitely, you know, if wine's involved, I can be there. So 
Hey, um, yes. <laughs> well, this is cool. And Jessica, I mean, man, I think, I don't know if other people are feeling this way as they're listening, but I'm just like, wow, this person makes this seem so easy. So I, I guess that's why you're so good at this. And uh, if you're listening, by the way, and you're thinking like, like, oh my gosh, like this person just gets it. Like it's it, like, Jessica, you make it sound so simple. And the other thing I love about this too, is you're so strategic with how to go about doing this. Like I was thinking about your, your example, you just gave the wind down example. And I was like, what business would say no to this? Because you've made it so easy to say yes. Um, you're obviously very gifted at this for my listeners who are listening are like, Oh my gosh, I got to connect with you. I got to connect with you. I got to learn from you. I got to get into your program sponsored and secured. What does it look like for people to do the, all of those things? Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Blake, for all of the wonderful compliments. Like, gosh, I just feel like we've become best friends. So (laughs) you're amazing. Um, but if you want to follow me and really learn more about my program and some of the cool things that I do, you can follow me on Instagram at Jessica Chinyelu. Now, if you're someone that's interested in taking the sponsored and secured course, you can always visit my website and that's the sponsorshiplady.com forward slash course, or just go to the sponsorshiplady.com and you'll somehow find your way to the course page. Uh, what sponsored and secured looks like it's an eight week program where I literally break down all of the step-by-step processes to becoming the best sponsorship sales person. Um, It's going to really help you tremendously. We're talking about audience data, how to survey your audience to get that data, how to build your sponsorship proposal, everything that should be included in it. I give you all of the templates that you need to build a sponsorship deck. I also provide you with what is called an intro deck, templates to build that out in case you get a brand that says, don't send us anything that's 12 or 20 pages, just send us a brief synopsis. I also provide you with email templates. So if you're reaching out to brands uh, five to seven times, what the heck do you say in those emails? I give you those templates and you can can customize them to be best fit for your brand. I'm also taking time to teach you what do you say in your first meeting? How do you close the deal? How do you keep up with the sales process? Do you you get sales trackers? You whatever you need to be successful, I give it to you. <laughs> get it all. Plus you get group coaching. So every week um, on Tuesdays at seven o'clock PM, I am right there with you for about an hour, as well as all of the other students who are in the program. And we're given feedback on your pitch decks. There are brands who come in and give feedback on pitch decks and why they would say yes or no. We have a really good time together. And um, I have this thing where I have everyone on a track to land at least $1,000 in 90 days or less. Um, that's a very small number, okay? That's a very, very small number, but it's doable, especially for someone who's just getting started. Most of the students who go through my program, they wind up anywhere from, I would say, high four figures to mid uh, five-figure partnerships within 90 days or less. So it's doable. If you do the work, you will see results. Well, Jessica, I don't see how anyone could say no to that. It's pretty incredible. Uh, Thank you for being on the podcast today. It was really special. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our time together and I look forward to connecting with all of you soon. Great. 
Jessica Chinyalu on the podcast today, everybody. She's the sponsorship lady. You need to go to the sponsorshiplady.com and be sure to go to backslash training to check out that sponsored and secured program. I'm also going to put the link down in the episode description below. So you be sure you can click on that and find out more information. And hey, by the way, if you enjoyed today's episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button to keep getting good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, we're on Patreon. It's probably not the coolest way to get sponsorship dollars. Maybe I need to partner with Jessica and rework this thing. But we are on Patreon. If you're enjoying the episode, you want to sponsor the podcast, or even if you want to get your business promoted on the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash good advice. As always, we appreciate you listening and we appreciate the support. Take care and have a great day. See ya.